Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Now here's Pastor Barry. Good morning, North Sound family. Great to be with you again this morning. This is a special day as we enjoy communion together, remembering our Lord's death on the cross where he became the means by which our sins are forgiven. I want to remind you, as Nancy already has done in a pretty lengthy announcement about Lent, that indeed Lent is just a couple of weeks ahead of us. And there are a number of opportunities you have for spiritual growth. But I want you to begin thinking about two things. One is, what might you be able to take away from your life during Lent? We call it a fast. Might be food, might be a meal, might be a particular food, or it might be a television program. Any number of things that might apply to you that would help you to focus more on the Lord. And then the second thing is to add something to your life. We're going to give you some opportunities through North Sound to add things to your lives that will help you to grow spiritually, but there may be some other things that you have been wanting to do, and we encourage you to begin thinking about that now. Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, uh, the 17th of February. We're going to have a service together on Zoom uh, to launch the uh, Lenten season here at North Sound Church. So today we continue our series doing a new thing, looking at what God wants to do in and through us in the year to come. And today we're going to talk about the fact that we all need the good news. So today we're going to talk about being missionaries. I don't know if you ever thought of yourself as a missionary, but that's going to be the content of what we're talking about today. And we're going to look at Jonah as a profound example of an Old Testament missionary. And as we look at a vision for North Sound Church here in Southwest Snohomish County, we're gonna talk about the role that we have, but we're gonna kinda of unpack that role as we look a little bit at the life of Jonah the prophet today. So when we think about why we wanna engage in this community with the good news of Jesus Christ, we're gonna query the question of why do we go? Why, why do we care? Why, why are we gonna take the message forward? Well, in Jonah chapter one, verses one and two, we read these words. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for evil has come up before me. Jonah was an 8th century prophet. He was in the northern state of Israel. Remember that under uh, uh, the successor of, uh, of Solomon, Rehoboam, his son, the north and the south split. The north was called Israel, the south Judah. And uh, with this split, there were some troublesome times in the 8th century. Uh, Jonah was a prophet. He was from the, uh, the city or the town, really, of Gath Hefer, from the tribe of Zebulun. And in this time, in the 8th century, Assyria was a major force in the earth. They were the superpower of that day. And uh, God was concerned about what was going on there and uh, he was encouraging them to deal with the uh, issue that was before them in terms of uh, the evil that was there in Nineveh. And so Jonah was sent to be a prophet to Nineveh to tell them to replant. But you know how the story begins. We, we learned it, those of us that were in Sunday school as children. He goes in the opposite direction. Instead of heading up to Nineveh, he heads to Tarshish, which is a city in Spain. He gets on a ship 
and is ready to make the long voyage, and, and you know how that ends. It doesn't end very well for him. Now, you know uh, I've shared enough at Norsound about my own experiences in the Navy and, uh, and my work around 9-11. It was at 9-11 that perhaps most graphically for the first time in my life, I saw the face of evil close up and personal. I remember looking at the expression of one of the firefighters there at Ground Zero in New York City, and he had that thousand mile stare, that look of complete exhaustion from the long hours he was putting in. And I would watch as uh, there would be an acknowledgement of, a, of, of, a, of human remains being found and the firefighters and the, the rescue personnel would line up and would salute as the remains were covered in American flag and were, 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 were marched off. And uh, one of the things though that, that hit me the most, I think, wasn't those sites at Ground Zero itself as bad as they were and as difficult as they were emotionally, but I was particularly moved by the wall of prayers outside of Bellevue Hospital there in New York, in, in Manhattan. Because on the wall of prayers were, were posted these photos of people that were now missing, that had been involved one way or another in the World Trade Center, either as a firefighter or a police officer or someone working in the building. And, and now they were missing and their families came and posted their photos and there was this massive wall of photos of people. I was able to capture some of this on video for what I produced for the chaplain corps around how Navy chaplains responded. And I want you to see just a brief clip as you see some of these, some of these pictures and uh, Chaplain Bigger talks about the impression that he had as that moment. the pictures of people who particularly uh, were posted on the wall of prayer. Family members seeking out someone they cherished and missed. The, the, the overwhelmingly large number of those people, um, th th that struck me hard. And it, it coincided, I think, with the comments made by one of the rabbis at the memorial service in Yankee Stadium on Sunday afternoon. He said, this day 6,000 people did not die. One person died 6,000 times. And that trauma that ripples through a family and community at the death of one person, the violent death of a single individual, multiplied by thousands, is, uh, is really the measure of the impact of all of this on us. You see, Red Cross was there and they did wonderful things. And there were others that responded. What was especially amazing was the thousands of ordinary Christians that gathered in office buildings and coffee shops and temporary shelters and restaurants in the midst of that great tragedy. Those Christians didn't run away, but they flocked in and they brought hope to the hopeless and help to the helpless and healing to the wounded in the midst of that very, very difficult season. You see, that's what the Church of Christ is all about. We believe in the value of the local church because the church is God's hope for the world. 
And friends, now we've been in time of pandemic. It's another very difficult season. It's another great evil that we oppose. And I hear of followers at North Sound Church reaching out, volunteering at the food bank, volunteering to take food to others, and volunteering to help with vaccinations, and filling backpacks for kids who wouldn't have enough food on the weekend. And as a church, we've donated funds to another congregation in Lebanon that's buying oxygen machines to help people in that, that troubled part of the world that so desperately need the hope for life in the midst of a pandemic. We've donated funds to the children of our school district that are most impacted by the pandemic. Because you see, the local church is the hope of the world. And we do that. We spread hope through good news and good, need, good deeds that will cause people to glorify the Father. And so the second thing we want to ask from our passage this morning is, to whom do we go? We go because of evil. We go because of great need. But to whom do we go? Well, in the same passage. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Rise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. Who were these people of Nineveh? Well, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Some of you may recall hearing the name because uh, in the Iraq war, the, the uh, Nineveh would occasionally pop up into the news because it's a, it's a suburb, really. It, uh, it's, a, it's, it's just outside. The ruins are just outside the modern Iraqi city of Mosul. And it was the capital of this incredible empire during the time of Jeroboam, the second king of Israel. And Assyria... Um, was, uh, was this amazing city. I think I, I read it took three days, to, excuse me, Nineveh, it took three days to walk across Nineveh. It was a major city for that time. And Jonah was called to Nineveh as a missionary because God was, was disturbed by the evil that was taking place. And, and Jonah's job was to go to Nineveh and share the good news with them. And so we see here as we look at others that that when we see this city that was so evil, it was a city that plotted against the Lord. It was a violent city that practiced cruelty and plunder, and uh, they practiced prostitution and witchcraft. They so needed God. And when you hear, friends, today about violence, about sexual sin, about using others for personal gain, does that have a familiar ring? Does the sense of who we're called to serve ring true today as it did then. So when Jonah received his call, he wanted no part of this 500-mile trek from where he was in Israel to the ancient city of Nineveh, and so he headed in the opposite direction. Friends, sometimes we don't have our direction straight either, do we? The nations of the world continue to need missionaries, and we continue to send missionaries uh, our own Robin and uh, Robin Munshaw, John Sween, and others are connected with works around the world, helping around the world. But do you know that we have an amazing and deep and challenging mission field right here in our own communities? We need to recognize that America has become a mission field. If we were to bring together the unchurched population of America, it would be the eighth largest country in the world. We have a big 
mission field that we're all called upon to engage. Pastor Finney has joined with us here at North Sound Church in a unique role, a role called Parish Mission, the pastor of Parish Mission, to help us in, in a very real way as a missionary from India to impact our own community more effectively. And so we, uh, we are so used sometimes to our own Christian culture, sometimes it's difficult for us to see America as the mission field it has become, but indeed the need is large. Barna has identified the most unchurched cities in the United States and Seattle is the eighth most unchurched city in the United States. And the numbers are significant. The criteria for being unchurched is not being in a church other than for a wedding or a funeral within the last six months. And one of the statistics that perhaps concerns me most is the fact that of that category of unchurched, a very significant proportion of them are identified as the de-churched. You see, they were once a part of a church. They were once engaged in Christian community. They were once followers of Jesus engaged with the family of God, but they too haven't been in a church for the last six months, except for a wedding or a funeral, but they have had roots in a church. They have that history and now for some reason they have moved in a different direction. Our mission field is not only those who have not embraced the faith, but it's uh, those who have been a part of the faith and have drifted from the faith. It's a time when there's great spiritual interest but little connection with God. People need to understand that the church is the hope of the world and that God reaches the world through community. The third thing we're going to learn from Jonah as we jump a couple of chapters here is who will go? The question is who will go? Jonah chapter three, verses one to three. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and call out again the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city three days journey in breadth. There's that passage that I mentioned. Os Guinness begins his book called The Call with a story, uh, the words of a man who appeared very successful. The man said this at a gathering. He said, as you know, I've been very fortunate in my career and I made a lot of money, far more than I ever dreamed of, far more than I could ever spend, far more than my family needs. The speaker was a prominent businessman and a, and a speaker at a conference at Oxford University in the United Kingdom. And the, the strength of his determination and character showed on his face, Os Guinness tells us. But the man went on and Guinness says, in a moment of hesitation, there betrayed deeper emotions hidden behind this outward intensity. He said, a single tear rolled down the cheek of this very successful businessman. And he said these words. He said, to be honest, one of my motives for making so much money was simple. To have the money to hire people to do what I didn't like doing. But there's one thing I've never been able to hire anyone to do for me. And that is find my own sense of purpose and fulfillment. I'd give anything to discover that. And Guinness goes on to describe 
the sense of call in a profound way, the, the call that each one of us have in our lives. He said, calling is the truth that God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have is invested with a special devotion and dynamism lived out as a response to his summons and service. Friends, some of us discover the call at midlife. Some of you may have read Half Time by Bob Buford, who actually recently passed on, went to be with the Lord. And Half Time is a great book about moving in our lives from success to significance. Some of us are young and looking at life ahead of us and our, our ears need to be open to hear the call of God. And friends, some of us are a little bit older and anticipating retirement or perhaps even in retirement. We need to be reminded when it comes to calling that there's no retirement in the kingdom of God. So we all have this bigger call in our lives, but we also have as individuals more specific calls. Our passage says the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I gave you. Since we just spoke about Jonah, he was the one that had this rude awakening being caught in this rebellion, being on the ship. You know the story of heading to Tarshish and, and the, the violent storm and being thrown overboard and the big fish swallowing him and eventually spitting him up on shore. And, Jonah has this real awakening that he had better get serious about his call. We need to listen. Hopefully we don't have to have that kind of experience to hear God's call in our lives. We need to listen. What kind of people decide to be a part of making a difference in their community? Is it, is it big evangelists? Uh, is, it, uh, is it people who, who are giants of the faith? Well, no, we, we tend to see that there are a lot of people like Jonah a lot of people like us who struggle. We, we call us ordinary people and God indeed uses ordinary people joining together in a great faith adventure to make a difference for his kingdom. So the fourth thing we find in our passage is an answer to the question, how do we go? We read about this in Jonah chapter three, verse 10, and then the first few verses of chapter four. Verse 10 says, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is a very interesting passage. It looked like God was going to zap them, that indeed when we talk about the wrath of God, it was gonna fall on that city. But the amazing thing is these people repented. They, they turned. Friends, the, the important thing is to recognize that we're sinners, and we need to recognize that sin, we need to confess that sin, and we need to repent, which is to walk in a different direction. And that's exactly what happened to the people of Nineveh. But what's, what's sort of crazy here in the story is that Jonah, when he saw that they repented, was, was very, very upset. He became upset, he became angry with God that he didn't do the fireworks that Jonah was anticipating were going to happen. The message version puts it this way, and I'm gonna read uh, actually a few more verses than just one to three of uh, chapter four. This is from Eugene Peterson's The Message Translation. Jonah was furious when they repented. He lost his temper, he yelled at God. God, I knew it when I was back home. I knew this was gonna happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew that you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment 
into a program of forgiveness. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. God said, what do you have to be angry about? But Jonah just left. He went out of the city to the east and sat down in a sulk. He put together a makeshift shelter of leafy branches and he sat there in the shade. What happened to the city? We read in verse 6 that God arranged for a broadleaf tree to spring up. It grew over Jonah to cool him off and get him out of his angry sulk. Jonah was pleased and enjoyed the shade and life was beginning to look up. But then God sent a worm. By the dawn of the next day, the worm had bored into the shade tree and it withered away. The sun came up and God sent a hot blistering wind from the east. The sun beat down on Jonah's head and he started to faint and he prayed to die saying, I'm better off dead. Then God said, Jonah, what right do you have to get angry about this shade tree? Jonah said, plenty of right. It made me angry enough to die. And now God brings the application. He said, what's this? How is it that you can change your feelings from pleasure to anger overnight about a mere shade tree that you did nothing to get? You neither planted nor watered it. It grew up one night and died the next night. So why can't I likewise change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure? This big city of more than 120,000 childlike people who don't yet know right from wrong to say nothing of all the innocent animals. Friends, I remember back in my seminary days, quite a few years ago now, that one of the professors said, you want to plant a church, and we were kind of still in Christendom in those days. He said, if you want to plant a church, go into a town and preach against something. Go into a town and preach against something. And while not endorsing this strategy, it does raise the question of our attitude. First, Jonah was in rebellion. He did the opposite of what he knew the Lord wanted him to do. Second, he responded to the call and went to Nineveh, but he was totally unprepared for the people to repent. For God to have mercy and withhold his judgment on these people was not something that he anticipated. So when he saw that happening, he sat down in the shade and had this angry conversation with God in which he asked to die. He could not bear to see God's mercy at work. Today, we've talked about how the local church is the hope of the world. We've looked at God's call on our lives, and now in conclusion, we need to consider our attitude, the attitude that we bring to this task. I doubt that anyone would say this morning that we want the unchurched population of South Snohomish County to go to hell. That's not something any of us would articulate. I don't think any of us would hope that those who don't know the Lord would spend their lives out of relationship with him, wandering without purpose and direction and meaning in their lives. But the real question for us this morning is just how much do we care? Just how much do we care about people in that condition, in that situation in life. Friends, it's so easy for us just to be consumers in regard to our Christian faith, to, to go to church, to find the church that we feel meets our needs best, that feeds us best, that has the best programming, and, 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 and then just enjoy that stuff. But friends, that's not our calling. It's not our calling. How much do we care about the lost? How much do we care about those who really need the message of the gospel. There's a wonderful passage in Matthew chapter 9. We read in verses 35 to 38 that Jesus visited all the towns and villages in Galilee. 
verse 35 of chapter nine. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Friends, today we're considering something like 150,000 people in the South County area who are not walking with the Lord, who do not have ultimate meaning and purpose in their lives, whose bruised and hurting lives need healing. We, friends, need many new expressions of church, many more communities of faith. We need to see that same compassion that motivated the Lord lived out in the lives of his people in South County and North King County where God has placed us. We need more people to see the sufficiency we have in Christ. We need more churches to see where broken hearts can be mended. We need churches where those without purpose find meaning in the service of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords by serving his kingdom. Friends, this year at North Sound, we're hoping to engage in our third Anglican church planting process. We believe that it's important for us to plant these kinds of churches for a number of reasons, unique reasons, but we're excited about engaging in that third opportunity this year. We've also joined forces with a group of folks called Fresh Expressions of Church. And Fresh Expressions is gonna be one of the major emphasis of North Sound as we come out of this uh, virus time. And uh, it's an opportunity to plant many churches around our community with the people of North Sound Church functioning as pastors in the context of their own church plants in a variety of places, in neighborhoods and, and perhaps in restaurants or coffee shops, places of work, but great opportunities. And we've brought on board Pastor Finney who is going to be with us during this season that will help to lead and motivate and train and encourage us in this particular journey. Friends, it's important for us to understand that not all of us can do everything. In fact, none of us can do everything, but all of us can do something. I love the story, I've told it often, of the man who was walking along the seashore when he saw the results of a terrible storm, the combination of a high tide, strong winds, and what ended up happening was that there were, there were just thousands of starfish who became stranded on the beach as the, the tide receded and they were about to dry in the, in the hot sun. And, and as he pondered this situation, he saw a man down by the water and he was carefully reaching down and one at a time was throwing the starfish back into the water. And he went down to the man, he made his way down to the beach and he said, Sir, um, you realize there's just far too many starfish for you to make a difference. And the, and the man that was throwing the starfish in looked at the stranger as he reached down and grabbed the next one and he said, it makes a difference to this one. And he threw it in the water and he reached down and grabbed the next one and he said, it makes a difference to this one. And friends, it may seem overwhelming when we think about 150,000 people 
in our community who are unchurched and need the gospel. But I want to ask that we consider not only the vast immensity of the numbers, but the calling that God has for us and the difference that we can make in the lives of individuals. I don't know how big the scope is of what God is calling us to do together, but I do know that God has called us to love people and to see lives changed. And today we're asking you to embrace that vision with us, to join forces with us, not just in worship, not just enjoying the resources of the church, but being formed to be missionaries because friends, the local church is the hope of the world. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning for your promises to us. We thank you, Lord, for the so many blessings that you have given to us. And we thank you, Lord, that you also give us the opportunity to serve, that there's a call on each one of our lives and each one of us has a missionary call. It may not be to Africa or to India, but the call that each one of us have is to be a witness with whom those you have placed us. And so, Lord, may your spirit fill us. May you empower us, Lord, to make a difference with our lives, to open our ears to hear that individual call that we will respond and make a difference that will change the lives of those around us because we are a part of the church and the church is the hope of the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.